Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. I'm Missy Stevens. I'm a mom and dot 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 writer, foster child advocate, and this week, soil science enthusiast, which is something I never thought I would say. I am so excited to hear more. And I'm Suzanne Kearns. I'm a mom and dot 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 writer, LGBTQ ally, and this week, stand up paddleboarder. Yay. So exciting. Wow. And today we are so excited to be talking to Stacy Kim, who we have literally been waiting to talk to for months. months. We scheduled this interview back in May, and yeah. we'll explain a little bit more later uh, why that is. Dr. Stacy Kim is a professional certified coach and founder of Life Junctions, where she helps talented and caring women find time and energy for meaningful work and the people they love. She is also the author of The Lighthouse Method how busy overloaded moms can get unstuck and figure out what to do with their lives. Dr. Kim has over 15 years experience in early childhood education and work family research. She was born in Seoul, Korea, grew up in Evanston, Honolulu, and Los Angeles, began her career in advertising research in Chicago, and currently lives with her husband and two children in New York City. She is a Girl Scout troop leader, a New York Women's Foundation grant reader, and a long, a lifelong knitter. So I would love to learn to knit. I may have to have a Zoom lesson learning to knit. Yeah, I'd love to teach you. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I'm so thank excited. You. I've been oh. thinking about this and really excited about this. I, I love the work that you both do and um, just the energy that you put into the world. So it's really thank a you. pleasure and honor to be here. Oh, well, the feeling is very mutual. We are very so excited. Mutual. In fact, we learned about you from the interview mm -hmm. that you had on the hashtag Am Writing podcast, yeah. which yes. we talk a lot of. I think we probably name drop the hashtag Am Writing every <laughs> podcast. Almost um, every time. Yeah. And I seriously don't even think the episode was over before I was hunting you down on LinkedIn and yep. trying to get you to be on this show. But oh. for, for people who are not familiar with you, could you give a little Stacy and a Life Junctions 101 so people sure. can understand your area of expertise? Sure. I So for as long as I can remember, I was obsessed with the intersection of career and family. And I knew that I wanted to have children and I knew that I wanted to have a career. And, you know, growing up in, you know, Korea in the 70s, you know, that's not something that a lot of girls dream about. And so, and, you know, but my parents did it. My Both of my parents juggled their careers and their families and they both did part-time work at different points in their lives. So they did it. And so I thought, okay, this is something that I really want to do. Um, and so I started an advertising research and then I thought, you know what, I really want to pursue this. I'm going to go back to graduate school and I am going to set up corporate daycare centers, on-site daycare centers. And that's that was my goal. I got there and I realized that was not a good idea for me at all. <laughs> and, um, and I was very fortunate that I came across research by Ellen Galinsky and I said, I have to do my master's internship with her, must do it. And so I started stalking her for a year. And so I was at Penn and from Philadelphia. And I said, I was willing to go up to New York, you know, and do my internship there. I got very, very friendly with her 
assistant at the time, Barbara Norcha. And so I would call her like every month and I'm like, hey, does she have room to see me? <laughs> and oh my and we'd schedule it Amazing. and then she'd have to call me back and cancel it. And so it, that's why it took years. She was just so, so busy. Yeah. I finally got to meet her. She said, okay, let's do this. And she put me on a project and then I fell in love with the work family research. And since I had a research background, I decided this is what I want to do. I was very, very fortunate that when um, I was done with my work at school, she hired me again while I was finishing up my dissertation. And then, you know, I was plagued by something what you both have talked about, like, you know, doing things for the wrong reasons. Like, I think that I just, I had it in my head that I needed to work in academia because my dad did Mm -hmm. and all of this baggage that I had. So I decided to switch jobs and go to Columbia University and I worked there. And I, as soon as I got there, I knew I made another, another mistake. (laughs) Um, I was, I had imposter syndrome big Mm -hmm. time. Uh Um, I was managing like huge multi-million dollar research projects and the people that worked with for me were graduate students who were brilliant. They were so much smarter than me. I was so intimidated by them. I just, every day I felt like, oh my God, I don't belong here. But I, you know, I did my best. I learned how to be a manager. I learned how to do the projects. And then at that same time, I was trying to get pregnant and I couldn't. Mm. And so the blessing of that job was that my two bosses, Sharon Lynn Kagan and Jeannie Brooks Gunn, um, they both were amazing. And they said, you do everything you need to. We will work around your medical appointments, everything. And so I was so lucky. And then when I finally did have my baby, I thought I was going to be an amazing parent because like I studied early childhood education. I did all this research <laughs> under my belt. And I was so overwhelmed. I was so overloaded. I was, I just was I just wanted so badly to be the best parent I could be and I and was how just old were you uh, when your first was born I, oh my gosh I actually don't know like I think it was almost 30 because almost 30. I, or okay. I, I might have been 31 or something like okay. that because I remember my doctor saying you need to get pregnant before <laughs> whatever yeah. oh yeah um, yeah so um <laughs> thanks doctor so she, yeah thanks <laughs> um just get pregnant before then um mm-hmm. is what she said I'm and then trying um, yeah, so she had colic, and I tried to read every book under the sun to figure out how to put this baby to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sleep deprived, and I was supposed to go back to work, and we couldn't quite figure out how I could go back part time because that's what I wanted to do. And finally, my husband gave me the biggest gift in the world and said, "Don't work, and figure out what you really want to do. You know, figure out what it is that you use this time." And be a stay-at-home mom and and enjoy the baby yeah. and, you know, figure it out. And um, and I try. I mean, I didn't really do a very good job. And so one day, he, his second biggest gift to me was one day he told me, okay, you were hiring a nanny. You were going to f- hire a sitter. I think it was like six or seven months. He's like, today, you're going to do it today. I'm going to work and you're doing it today. I want you to like have called up people by the time I get and, if anyone wow. knows my husband, Kyle, he is not someone to like put down an ultimatum like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so what he was he said, seeing? What was he seeing? He was seeing me never leaving the house, okay. you know, always focused on the baby. I was just, you know, I don't think I had clinical depression. I think I was just really lost. I think mm-hmm. I was 
so scared of, you know, I really wanted to be the perfect mother. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I should be because of all this research. Because you had researched it. Right. Right. So um, I'm and so anyway, so he gave me that time. It took me a long time to figure it out because I couldn't give myself permission. I couldn't get over the fact that I had this PhD and I wasn't going to be using it and I blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of these things. I had so much baggage. I took so long and slowly I um, tried a bunch of different things. I did do that. I H and her block. <laughs> I tried home organizing, things like that. And I did some research on the side and finally I found coaching. And then all of a sudden it was like, I know this is like, what I want. This it, and this is the perfect modality to figure out how to uh, manage career and family. Mm-hmm. And that's what I discovered. And, you know, even that, though, I made a few mistakes along the way. I thought I was going to be a coach. Then I was going to be a parenting coach. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to tell parents how to parent their kids. But the women who came to me were, you know, so smart so talented like I'm like why are you here why are you seeing me you know like I just really Mm -hmm. had that imposter syndrome all over again and then I realized oh wait a minute you know they're trying to figure things out like I had tried to figure things out and you're a smart smart lady I learned with them and I just was so fortunate that these women trusted me and and that's how I stumbled on the lighthouse method and I learned so much from my clients that I I just started writing more and yeah. speaking. I was afraid of public speaking, but I started speaking more because I just felt like I am sitting on a gold mine and it is really not fair for me to hoard all of this great wisdom that I'm getting mm-hmm. from my clients. And so I love what I do and I'm very fortunate. And uh, yeah, so I really like I can't quite get past what you say about all these women coming to you. They're smart talented women all feeling this stuckness and we read your article the lighthouse method the one in real simple and um, i'm going to read this quote so i don't botch it but you said if you don't know what you want to achieve making a plan is like driving to an unknown destination talented women with perfectionist tendencies will search for the perfect plan before taking action in order to avoid missteps and this is why so many get stuck. And I mean, we feel like goosebumps that is again. Us. Yes. Goosebumps. Like every time I read it, I have that moment where my stomach flips over. And we have, most of us, achieved in our lives. You get into school, yes. you get a degree, you get that first job, that next job, you get promotions, you're doing all the things, you're checking all the boxes. And something about motherhood undoes that because these people come into your life and show you all the things you don't know how to do. Right. Um, right. Yes. That undoes it. And you are so focused on them that you lose a little bit of yourself. And then here you are. I don't know. It just, I am rambling, but I could talk about this for hours. I want you to talk a little bit about how you're seeing clients use this lighthouse method and what the actual lighthouse method is for our yeah. listeners. Yeah. I discovered the lighthouse method because I was talking to my clients and I, you know, I, I think I've described this before, like, I didn't know what to do. They would come in and they would be in tears. They were mm-hmm. like, I'm smart. I should be able to figure this out. Why can't I figure this out? And why can't I do this? I'm like, why do I have to hire someone, you know, to help me? <laughs> right. and, 
And I knew that feeling and I thought, oh my gosh, how am I, how in the world am I going to do this? And all I wanted to do at first was to make them stop crying. (laughs) And, you know, I just wanted, I said, let's, we're going to get to that. (laughs) I just, you know, I just said, let's just first focus on, you know, getting you happy again. And so, so the very first step in the lighthouse method is to do something enjoyable and learn how to how to feel that joy again. And so the lighthouse method is, you know, you don't know where you're going. You just imagine it's really dark at night and you're at the edge of the shore and you see this lighthouse and you know you want to get there, but you don't know what it is. You don't know where it is. You don't know what it looks like, how tall it is, all this stuff. And it's dark. And so in order to get there, the last thing you're going to do is draw a map. The la- that's the last thing you're going to do. The first thing you want to yeah. do if you want to get there is you need to get into your boat and you need to start rowing. And if you're rusty with the rowing, that is what um, doing something enjoyable is. And when you're feeling bad about yourself because you haven't figured this out, because you haven't drawn the map to a place unknown, yeah. um, because yeah. you're a perfectionist, every single one of my clients and myself you know, we're all have, we all have perfectionistic tendencies. I think all smart and talented women do. And so, you know, just getting into your boat, it means, you know, finding something enjoyable to do. And that can be something super duper small. It doesn't have to be like this amazing hobby where you're like creating things and selling them on Etsy, you know, (laughs) it it can be so, so this is my thing for a while and it can change all the time. That's the other thing. So my thing, the example I always give is that I discovered that I liked sharpening my daughter's colored pencils. And so every once in a while I would just, you know, put them to bed. (laughs) It would be so hard to put these little two kids to bed. I'd put them to bed. I'd pour myself a glass of wine and I would take out all of their markers and their pencils. I'd go around the house and gather them all. And I would sharpen all of their colored pencils. And then I would, you know, test out all of their markers. And if they weren't working, I'd throw them away. I'm a marker tester. That sounds really fun. (laughs) And I'd sort them all out. Yes. And that became like my ritual. And, and, and you know what? I just said to myself, I'm going to elevate this. You know, this is not just something I do and, you know, just a task or a chore. This is something that I enjoy doing. I, for some reason, I, it floats my boat. So, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm going to make this like something special for me. And so little things like that, like if you do Sudoku, you know, take a picture of it and, you know, keep a special album of all the Sudokus you did so that you can see that long thing, you know, just take anything small that you love that floats your boat and elevate. You love to read fiction, then maybe start to make a list, get a Goodreads account, you know, whatever it is. It, you know, just any way to kind of formalize it or make it important or give it some importance in your life and elevate it because it is important. And once you start doing these things, you get better at, you know, I use Marie Kondo as an example, mm. like she talks about, like, you know, hold something in your hand and if it doesn't bring you joy, throw it away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, so she talks about that as a way to understand what gives you joy. And so the more you try mm-hmm. different things, you know, that give you joy, the better you are at quitting them if they don't give you joy. Right? Oh, that was going to be my so, next question. Because, yeah. I mean, as moms, we, 
have spent so many years just being consumed by meeting other people's mm -hmm. needs. And sometimes it is hard to remember what does bring you joy. I don't know. It's just sometimes you can you equate joy with just the quiet at the end of the day. But I mean, yeah, just legit. Yeah, joy isn't necessarily <laughs> yeah. the absence of annoyance. It's you know, there's you gotta you gotta take it. The Although there's something there, but there's also the fear there. I mean, I talked about how I did the stand up paddleboard. I've lived in Austin for ten years. I've wanted to do that for ten years, and I finally did it last night. But it really was it was baby steps of like kind of driving by the place where the boats are, where you rent the boats, and being like, okay, this is where someone rents the boats. Maybe mm -hmm. next week I'll rent a boat, <laughs> you know, just like, <laughs> but it was these baby yeah. steps of just like, where would one park if one was going to do this? Oh, here's the lot. Okay, next week I'll do the next step. And then, and it really was this progression, but like, do you see that with other women? And I'm, I, I know I, I have an anxiety disorder, so I will claim that that no, probably is not normal behavior. Exactly what you want to do. Um, you know, I, I, in the Lighthouse Method book, I describe this woman who wanted to sew again. And so what we did was we went, did baby steps. We said, okay, you want to sew again. So what is the pattern you're going to use? Do you have the fabric? Do you have the materials? And I didn't realize how much like preparation there is mm. before you sew, like iron, washing, yeah. ironing, you know, like, you know, oh. um, doing all this pattern work. And so, you know, trying to figure out if you have two young children, when are you going to do that? Oh, and you know, where are you going to do that in New York City if you have a small apartment and all mm -hmm. of these little baby steps that go into it. And so that was also part of it. And so so I say start out something small and easy yeah. and then add on to it and make it more. And then it's not just the sewing or, you know, I have another um, client who does jewelry making and it's not just the actual jewelry making, but it's also the designing, the sketches, the coming up with all of that mm -hmm. stuff that goes into it. And is that something that you can, you know, squeeze out more joy from, you know, is that something you can do a little bit every day? So doing a little bit very often is what I tell people that, um, and I think right now is a good moment to remind people that if you're really having trouble finding what gives you joy, if you're really struggling to give yourself permission to do that, um, I'd love for you to find a good therapy and just working yeah. out with them because and especially for moms you know I used to say this when I gave talks but you know maternal depression I mean there's you know academics like to disagree about a lot of different things there are a few academics that would disagree with the fact that maternal depression really does a number on kids and so yeah. there are a lot of negative effects so if you think you might be depressed you know, find a therapist. Now, finding a good therapist is not always easy, but keep trying. Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't like that therapist, I also tell people, have a conversation about what it is that you don't like with that therapist, because sometimes that can be really revealing. Um, and if you really have trouble finding a therapist, like email me, find me, and I can give you some recommendations because now because of COVID, some of my favorite therapists are doing things online now. Yeah. So yeah. that's actually a good opportunity and I don't want moms to struggle with this too long, right? Mm. You know, why spend so much time struggling when you can, you know, yeah. why postpone your joy is what I would like to tell people. So. Yeah, yes. I think that people get kind of hung up on that bigness of it. We think for some reason we're supposed to 
know what we're going to do with our lives. Like, like, what am I supposed to be? And I, I spent a ton of time thinking, I know I'm here for a reason. If I'm not fulfilling my purpose, I'm wasting my time. But then I wasn't sure what my purpose was. And then I would spiral. I would think, well, I don't know what it is if I don't know what it is. I mean, you know, you're just second guessing yourself. And I think you just said something about, you know, that the female condition kind of, of we question everything and we question how we're feeling and why we're feeling that way. So when it's that big, it's hard to see your way through it. What have you learned that helps people really break that down in the smaller, you talk about like painting it in smaller strokes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, uh, so I think this is going to be the next topic of my next workshop or something. And, and it's about conventional advice. That's really bad for women. Finding your (laughs) purpose. All of it (laughs) is, is, can really be dangerous for women. I've found that. And it's just something that you, you know, find your purpose or find your passion or, you know, that piece of advice is really big. And yeah, it's really hard to do when you are the caregiver of other human beings. And so now when I say figure out what you want to do with your life, I mean, figure out what you want to do right now, right now, or right in the next few months. I don't mm-hmm. make the, you know, the other bad conventional advice that I think people give so often is like, you know, have a life plan or a bucket list or right. I, I just, hate bucket every lists. Time I, I cringe whenever I oh. hear it now because, you know, I had my life turned upside down when my daughter was diagnosed with cancer and everything, you know, went mm-hmm. out the door. And, um, and I realized like if I had a long life term, lifelong plan, I would have been more disappointed that my life was upended. Uh And the thing is, is that, you know, for talented and caring women, they're going to be caregivers. And um, because they're so good at what they do that the people around them all rely on them, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they know that if they go to you for something, it'll get done much better if they go to somebody else. Um, Usually a guy. um, (laughs) And so, um, so we're, where there's just so much pressure on us and because our lives are so interconnected with other people it's really hard to make that 10-year plan it's really hard to fill a bucket list so mm-hmm. when i say you know figure out what you want to do with your life i mean let's focus on the short term let's figure out what it is that we can do to make our lives right now more fulfilling and more enjoyable and so Forget about purpose. Forget about passion. Just think, okay, for now, you know, what is it that I, and and I think in, in COVID, I mean, COVID is lasting longer than we all would have hoped, unfortunately. And so it's really hard to make plans right now. So it's a good time to practice, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, just for this next month, you know, Um, and, you know, keeping things in the present is really, I think, what helps. So rather than try to fulfill a life purpose, I ask my clients, okay, after they found something enjoyable and they know that they can do things, they can get things done, Mm -hmm. they can um, make, create that space and time for that. Then the next step is a little bit more is like, you know, develop a skill or, you know, refine a skill. That's one thing. So, you know, if you're good at, I used the example for myself, it's like, I've always wanted to be a writer, 
it's hard, but what do writers do? They write. And so writing every day or writing as much as I can, or, you know, that my schedule will allow or thinking about writing or jotting things down, those kinds of activities, you know, again, you need to elevate those activities. That's another thing that women tend to do is that they kind of, whatever they do, that it's like the last thing on their list. Mm -hmm. So making that more important in your life and giving it the um, not just the time, but just the the credit that it deserves, yeah. that it is really important in your life. You know, another thing I would say is like, I, you know, the biggest, you know, my daughter's going to be going off to college soon. And I keep yeah. telling her, I said, take advantage of those professors. The one thing that I yes. wish I did was I, I really wish I'd use those office hours and I talked to, to my professors and learned from them and got ideas from them. Mm -hmm. And, and that would have, you know, that would have helped me learn quicker how to have informational interviews with other people. Mm -hmm. And so that is another thing. Anyone you like for whatever reason, right. you know, ask them to coffee or ask them for a quick Zoom chat or ask them for a phone call and then talk to them. Now, some people are not good at giving informational interviews. So if it doesn't go well, you know, don't, don't. That's um, okay. It's totally fine. You know, just say it's them, not me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it probably is. Yeah. But there are other people who will, and, you know, rather than ask them, okay, what should I do? Or what advice do you have for me? Just ask them simply like, okay, tell me your story. Like, how did you get into this? What does your day-to-day -day life look like? And from that, you'll glean lessons that are relevant to you. Mm -hmm. So that is another way to kind of figure out, you know, those are the smaller, common, smaller steps that I ask. And anyone you admire, there's a reason why you admire that person. Yeah. And so yeah. that person is most likely going to be able to give you some nuggets. Um, and then the last thing I say when I tell people to do in their, or when I suggest I shouldn't be, as a coach, I shouldn't <laughs> be telling people what to do. But, um, what I suggest is that, you know, never leave an interview without another name for who should you talk to next. Mm, so smart. ask them or what you should look or an organization you should look into next. Like, you know, like, okay, well, now that you kind of know what I'm about or, you know, mm -hmm. who should I talk to next or, you know. That's um, a great nugget of advice. That is, yeah. So that is, and then, so then you do that more. And as you do this, it, it, it the beauty of the lighthouse method is, is that I don't know how it happens, but it really works if you, give it a chance and mm -hmm. and things happen much more quickly than I imagine. In fact, I wrote an article about how my clients leave me too fast and too suddenly because they figure out what they um what they want to do. Yeah. And I'm like sad. So um <laughs> But like it's a good something thing. Something else you're thing. struggling with? Pardon? What else would you like to, you want I to know. ask him like, what else is bothering you? Something else <laughs> is bothering you. <laughs> I know. Can I help you with anything else? Like, that no, um, no, it's actually, it's actually fabulous. And, but there's something magical about it. It happens yeah. much more quickly. It's like a, um, a snowball effect. And I think it's because you kind of get on a roll and people find you. People, people mm -hmm. find out. And a lot of people want to help you because they're smart and caring women. Yes. They've helped other people. And so people want to help them. And it, it makes them feel good. You'll be surprised. Yeah. It makes them feel good to help someone. Yeah. Wow, you're really smart and you want my help. And so that makes them feel good. So that's exactly. another reason. We're why. all about women helping women. And I have now, speaking sort of a of... side question before oh. you, John. I know you have a question you're dying to ask. No. But... <laughs> I'm sorry. So I just want to. 
know, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but I'm curious if you have seen an age range where women are struggling more, or if you've seen women that we would normally consider as someone who's approaching 50, I think a lot of our lives, we were like, oh, you should have it all figured out. And then you're going to retire at 65 and then you're, you know, you're done. Are you seeing older women go through this process and find their lighthouse? I think it's not necessarily older women. I think it's when their kids start to need them less. Mm Ah, um, I think that's when it happens. And for different women, it's at different stages. Mm-hmm. But when they kind of figure out, oh, my kids, and often I think it's middle school because that's yeah. when your kid gets so, oh, like, you know, like, you don't want <laughs> right. to have anything to do with you. You're feeling rotten. Um, mm-hmm. It might be coinciding with like perimenopause. Who knows? Um, so that right. kind of happens too. But it's so cruel that it all happens yeah. at the same time. I was just right. thinking about that today. I was like, I think why, I should have had would... my children when I was twenty. I was thinking about that. I think the people in Little House in the Prairie—that's why, like, they would have babies in their late teens, early twenties, because then <laughs> your kids done with puberty by time, and they're off and married by time yeah. you start having. We're to not be all in all a hormonal frenzy at the same time. <laughs> it's like right. we cannot all be hormonal at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. won't work. Yeah. Don't worry. It's uh, yeah. yeah. So I think right around when your kids need you less mm-hmm. is kind of when you start to feel when stay-at-home moms in particular start to feel. For other people, you know, and I that's why I named my company Life Junction. It's kind of when you know all these demands and responsibilities clash with like your yeah. goals and your desires, and that's a life junction. That's a moment in time. So I don't really like to talk about work-life balance. Yeah. or work-life fit, or right. I know that other people use those terms really well. But for me, it's really about these moments in time when these things happen. So we mentioned earlier about how we had to schedule this interview way back in May. And one of the other life junctions, in addition to taking off time to be home with kids, more and more of our friends we're seeing are taking off time from work to help with the care of their parents or an older relative. And so the reason uh, that you were not available for a couple months is that you were traveling to Seoul to help care for your parents. So we'd just really love to hear what that experience was like for you. You know, you're an expert in many things, but I'm sure that you learned some lessons along the way from this. So just any advice that you have for other listeners who are either going through or thinking about having to go through this um love to hear what you what you've learned yeah it's so interesting because when i was in graduate school one of my professors told me why are you doing childcare? you should really go into elder care there's more there will be more money in it you know because oh my goodness the population is aging and yeah you know yeah, we really true. haven't figured this out and i'm like oh no i don't want to do that because do it doesn't sound like fun because there's a lot of similarities but it's very very different right very um, different. we are very lucky that you know we have nine months we have time to prepare to become parents but mm-hmm. and even that doesn't really prepare you for parenthood well same on the um, on the elder care side, yeah. I think it's really hard because you don't know when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know mm-hmm. how exactly it's going to happen. There are a lot of similarities. And, you know, it isn't like it, there isn't like this natural progression, like the stages are all different. Like some, you know, for some people it's quicker, so for some people it's a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother has Alzheimer's in it, it very rapidly. 
progressed over mm. COVID because they couldn't see people, yeah. they couldn't, people could come and visit and things like I that. And that. then my dad was having a really hard time taking care of her. And, you know, he's also um, a Korean man who doesn't know how to cook, doesn't know how to clean. Oh. Um, he didn't know how to pay the bills. He, d- oh, My mother wow. did everything for him. And so, you know, I think we, I went, my family actually went, all four of us went last Christmas and then they stayed for a month and they did school from Zoom and, you know, at night. <laughs> so yeah. then, you know, near, oh, the time wow. difference. Right. So they wanted to spend time with their grandparents. So they did that, but that. It, it proved to be too hard um, because, you know, my mother couldn't understand why they were watching TV at night you know, and, and didn't understand that they were on Zoom. So yes. later on, I found right. out that like their classmates knew my mom. <laughs> you gotta show up on um, and in the morning my, the parents, TV. Yeah, <laughs> my parents would wake up and oh, and the house was like um you know it, it uh, there were all these hardwood floors and they they couldn't they couldn't remember that they needed to be quiet so that my children could sleep and you know because they were up at night right. at school, for school and so right. it was really hard so they went back home i stayed for an extra month but um One of the things that I learned was that, you know, the Korean government has mandatory long-term care insurance. So if you work, um, you you pay into it. And then if you become disabled as an elderly adult, or if you have dementia, there are services that the government will help provide for you. So um, so setting that, actually, the application process was fairly easy, and I learned a lot about Korean. <laughs> like, I relearned my Korean language stuff skills, yeah. and I just felt so, so grateful. And, and in fact, I wrote a, an article about it because I was so grateful. Um, and I had, like, my own issues about Korean culture and things like that. So it was really an interesting time for me to kind of realize, mm-hmm. oh, wait, you know, there are things about Korea that are good mm-hmm. <laughs> when I had, you know, kind of dismissed a lot of it in the past. Um, so this trip was kind of a check-in trip, but I did end up staying. I took my younger daughter with me and we stayed for a month. And, um, yeah. uh, and you know, the lesson that, you know, you asked me for a lesson and I'm sorry if I'm, you know, taking a long time getting there, but um no. I think the lesson that I would say is something that I've talked about with my friends. First of all, I think it's really good to have friends to talk about this with. I mm. mean, find your friends who have gone people. through this or who are going through this and, you know, mm-hmm. share. Because even though the experiences are so different, there are a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is my friend, Ga- Robin Riser, she's a writer and she's going to be, you know, hopefully you'll know about her someday. But she um, <laughs> told me, like the quote that she kept thinking about in her head is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force them to drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is how it is to take care of your parents. You know, you have all this history with them. You have yeah, all of, you know, this baggage and you can do so much. And then they might not listen to you. So my father got into a minor car accident, um, did not know that he hit a parked car. And so long story short, you know, he realized, yes, he should probably stop driving. Um, We were able to find him a driver um, Mm. who could come and drive the car and do help him with groceries or help the family with groceries. And so I rebooked all of the 
doctor appointments to Tuesdays. You know, I yeah. scheduled all these and I said, okay, when you go to the bank, now you can go with this, you know, run any errands. You can, you know, this driver can take you on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. And then I told my dad, we found out that if you turn in your driver's license in Korea, you can get a hundred dollars if you're over the age of, you know, if you're a senior. <laughs> and so I, I said, love it. let's go get that cash. That and, is um, genius. And he was like, no, no, oh, I don't want to do it. You want to do it. So I've been back now and I am pretty sure he's been driving. Oh, yeah. so and scary. so I am really upset <laughs> about it but at the same time like you know I just keep thinking like I did everything that I could I yes. found him a driver I did. Out, I rescheduled his thing and you know what he's he you know I'm just gonna have to pray and he knows he needs to be careful and so it's that's such a hard um, transition yeah and um and then later on I found out that yes getting your father to give up their keys is like one of the hardest things in the world to do and so oh, um yeah so that mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it wasn't just my dad. It was like, you know, my friend's dads no. all went through that. Yep. Well, so I mean, we talk was... about the identity that we lose when kids come when along. Children, I mean, yeah. turning in your keys is turning in your freedom, your, independence. your, your entire identity as an independent human. Yep. Yeah. I won't out who it is in my life, but someone in my life was like, they talked about how they think they have skirted the system. That something about COVID and how the license renewals works, oh. this person thinks like, oh, by the time I have to renew my license again, I'm going to be, I mean, pushing 90. So I get to drive all the way till then. And their daughter was like, um, I may step in for the state and make sure that that does not happen. <laughs> but Citizens arrest. Yeah. It's, a hard, it's tough though. Cause I, I know this person and I know they don't want to lose their independence. That's yeah. what it is. And yeah. that's hard. Oh, yeah. that's hard. That's hard. And, it's hard for him, hard for you. Um, yeah, it's it is. And and I just I think that um, you know, what I really tried to focus on is like I'm gonna enjoy my parents right now. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like I am um, you know, I used to get really annoyed with them. Like, I'm like, why can't you remember this? Like, why can't you close the refrigerator? Like, you know, like and I think it was because I was upset that, you know, right. they weren't able to do these things and then I realized like you know no I need to just enjoy as much as I can this time with them and so um and that meant actually taking some breaks like actually you know getting away from them every once in a while because um it was so emotional and um so I you know I don't know if that's advice or not but but yes I think that there are more of us who are going to be doing this Mm -hmm. um and because we women are more responsible for this, um, yeah. tend to be more responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, I really well. love what you say about appreciating what you can appreciate. And you bring up, you brought up gratitude, which comes up a lot. And we joke that we are half a gratitude podcast <laughs> because it comes up all the time. And I think I love what you say about focusing on that piece of it yeah. because it helps through the stuff that's just some of it's really hard to be grateful for. And it's so similar to some of the stuff you talk about with the lighthouse method too, is just like not worrying. I think part of when you get frustrated when they can't do something is because you're thinking about, okay, if this was my kid, I need them to be able to know how to do that. So in five and 10 years, they can do that. Whereas resetting your expectations, like, no, it's not my job to teach them this. They probably knew it, you know, 
abilities change and you know five years from now this is not going to be important to them if they know where to put this jar in the refrigerator or if they you know have this particular thing that they're you know closing right. the cupboards yeah right. it's, just a, it's just a different right. expectation than you know, right thinking about yeah. i need to get this life skill for my child versus i just need to kind of accept the abilities and where my parents at right now yeah and yeah. i think that um it's my cousin's going through it too. And she was saying, you know, I don't, I, I want to be a daughter. I don't want to be my dad's mm -hmm. caregiver. I don't want to be my dad's, mm -hmm. like, you know, grocery delivery person. You know, I also want to be right. my dad's daughter. So actually, so, so getting the help that you need and, and it's not easy. This, um, I really wish that we had more of a support system around this because it's going to be happening more and more. Yeah, um, you know, I have the privilege of working on the Families and Work Institute. I have access to the National Study of U.S. Employees, and it was last done in 2016. And we asked, how many of you do you think you're going to be responsible for some kind of elder care? Mm -hmm. And it was 29%. Wow. Um, believe that they will have elder care responsibilities in the next five years. And at that time, when we asked, like, are you, are you responsible? Currently, it was um, 10%. And 21% said, like, they did in the last five years, right? Yeah. So 21, in the last five years, 10% say they're doing it right now. And we're already in five years. So I'm guessing that COVID probably could maybe have made that even more difficult. Yeah, um, I would think. And so this is something that, you know, I wish more people would take care of and or or at least um be aware of about. yeah, yeah. And, and, would, would... and we're just talking about people who are employees you know we're not yeah. talking about like stay-at-home right. moms who probably have to do it even more and all of that stuff so right that's so a good point is, it's probably yeah. underrepresented for it, sure absolutely. yeah and and um oh and then there was this other statistic i hope you don't mind or you can come oh, that's can okay we love we love, we love that um but uh, it, they also asked if you wanted to work, 20% of U.S. employees in 2016 said that they wanted to work more, but 85% of those people say that they don't work more because of childcare or elder care responsibilities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. So, and one of the things I would like people to also take away is because unlike what you experienced in Korea, it's very different in the United States as far as the level of support that's available. Like I had always gone through life thinking, oh, hospice is when they, you know, just come in and fully take care of your loved one and and it's all covered and it's all great. But when my stepfather was going through hospice, um, it was they brought a like a hospital bed to my mom's house and they mm -hmm. brought, you know, some machinery and they brought what is called a Hoyer, which is, he was a double amputee. So this, it is a people mover basically, yep. um, that well, yeah. is like you slide under them and then you can lift and move to a chair where if it was not for my brother and I being there and my mom had a carpeted house, he was a large man and like what I, so that is that's what hospice looks like. You get machinery, and once a week they would send and they come and check in, in to check in and yeah. whatever. But when you need to physically move someone from a bed into you know a you. chair or whatever, um, that's on that's on you. You become a medical professional. Well, we oh my gosh, we hit that poor man in the head so many times with the <laughs> lawyer because it has a little hand yep. thing that you got to grab on to yeah. lift. 
And we were, you know, you had to get a running start on the carpet. And then, you know, we would feel awful. And we'd go in the other room and kind of like cry and laugh at the same time. Because you're like, how on earth does anyone think that we should be in charge of moving a grown man in this piece of equipment? And it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. But you, and you start becoming aware of the things that are covered and not covered. And most of the things that you are fully covered for, you have to get to a certain bankruptcy level before they kick in. Um, So, yeah, it's just, and to your point of the, your friend saying that they want to be a daughter, not a caretaker, you know, for spouses too, you know, she ended up having to pay a, a pretty much of a fortune for someone to be that caregiver so she could continue yeah, to, really well, first of all, continue to, it's like caring for a newborn in yeah. many cases yeah. and sleep mm-hmm. deprivation is a real thing. It's horrible. Um, and so, yeah, just so that she could get some sleep, but then also just maintain that role of a spouse and, or a child or whoever the caregiver is. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, the, those people are saints, but yep. they also uh, require a lot of funds <laughs> to, to get their services. <laughs> yeah. So that's right. it's good to plan around that earlier yep. or sooner than later. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh-huh. have conversations with your parents. Right. Things like that beforehand. Although, you know, we, my brother and I tried and, and we still try, but it doesn't always work yeah. out that way. So, no. you know, it's, it's, I think that's what's so hard about it. It is that it is hard to plan around. And mm-hmm. so for smart, intelligent women, it's very frustrating. And, um, and it is another hurdle to get over. Yeah. Yeah, I think we could yeah. talk about this for hours too. But before we get into the look, listen, learn, yes. I know yeah. that you have a new class and also an mm-hmm. upcoming workshop oh, yeah. that we want to make sure that people know about and sign up for your, and your newsletter. newsletter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I always thought for a long time that I couldn't provide in a class what I do for my clients because I always thought it was very customized and, and it is very customized to do what I do for my clients, but I, I, realize that there were portions that I could probably teach that were standard. And then also I'm going to teach a class about the lighthouse method, but also provide all of that different support around it. Like, you know, building your confidence and making sure that you have time to do these things and giving yourself permission to do all of these things. And, um, and then answering questions, you know, live, so there's going to be content you can do on your own and then content we can do live. And I'm putting that together and I'm hoping it'll be ready in October, but we'll see. But so the best way to find out about it and to find out about other free workshops that I'm also planning. Um, I think I mentioned I really want to do something on like really bad conventional advice. Yeah, around oh, that. I, I love that. I want to see that. that, that yeah, because yeah. I think that that's something that um, everyone could use. Yep. So all of that information will be in my newsletter and I try to give the best information that I can every week, no spamming. And you can get that at lifejunctions.com backslash newsletter. And that's the best way. And I, I think people know this, but if they reply to the newsletter, I usually will respond to them. Um, and that's probably the fastest way for people to get a response from me. Oh, how fun. Um, you know, yes. what? I did that once to, I love Adrian Hedger, who does Hedger uh, Humor, yeah. is one of my favorite newsletters. I lo- It's one of those that it's like, so I, great. I would never remove. I look forward to it every week. And I did, I replied to it one time because there was something in there. And I was like, I wonder if this works. And sure enough, she replied back. And I was like, oh, 
I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. And so, and I love hearing from my readers. Uh-huh. Um, and I get a lot of spam. So, <laughs> so seeing a real humans that were refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, but um, yeah. So please subscribe to my newsletter, and hopefully, you'll get all the information you need. And if you want to hear something, you know, let me know because I'm always also wanting to respond to people's requests as well. Wonderful. Okay. Well, with that, I think we're ready to jump into the look, listen, learn. So for anybody who has not listened to the podcast before, during the look, listen, learn segment, we each share something that we've been either watching or reading or just admiring from afar or (laughs) listening to or learning about to help inspire others. So uh, you can do a look, listen, or learn, or all three, whatever floats your boat today, Stacey. Uh I am going to do two things, I think. I haven't been, unfortunately, I haven't been able to read very much of anything interesting to share. It's mostly like technical, (laughs) stupid stuff. Um, (laughs) um, So it would not be worthwhile to share at all. But I have been rereading Steal Like an Artist. Oh, Um, yes. It's really so easy because it's a lot a lot of it is pictures <laughs> nice. and so it's been really it's been really inspiring again to go over and he has a great Instagram account so that's another look Ooh, okay. um and then you know I think that with I don't know just the mood that I've been in and you know all of these big emotions that I've been feeling about you know my daughter going away to college, my parents and, you know, just Mm. COVID and all of that, you know, I've been rewatching one of my all-time favorite shows and it is Friday Night Lights. Oh, I, um, and I know you do her, um, in terms of Austin. Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, I just love that show and I can't, I'm rewatching it. I'm so surprised at how relevant it is. And, you know, it's really nice for a change to see a guy that, you know, I can, in, a le- in a leadership role that I can respect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially right. in New York. Um, yeah. But it's just, you know, it, they, it's a lot, it's not about football. I mean, it is about football, but it it's is, really but it's not, about yeah. um, a marriage. It's about mm-hmm. relationships. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, ethical dilemmas and, um, and coming out and trying to do the right thing. And, and so it's just, it's just something that's been really, nourishing to me right now okay i need to try it again this is the second time we've talked about friday night lights Uh, actually i don't think we've aired the podcast that we mentioned yeah maybe not but it came because we're talking about connie Britton or britain britain connie britain oh just gosh love tammy taylor i i have not been able to watch it because it's done with like the jiggly hand camera and the first couple times i tried to watch it i got nauseous Take a Dramamine and binge it. But you know what? (laughs) I know. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. I'll be in and out of consciousness trying yeah. to watch it. Yeah. Kind of, you know what? I'm dizzy today from the um from, from doing the stand up paddleboard. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while I'm like, if I'm sitting like this, it's because I'm kind of like, woo. So but but yeah, everybody I've everybody has loved it. My husband loved it, and then I couldn't watch it with him and he tried to, but you know, 
you kind of have only so many hours in the day, so you kind of yeah. have to pick shows that you can watch Absolutely. together. And Absolutely. so I, right. I really let them down, I think, not being able to finish it. So yeah. Okay. Uh, that's inspiration. Yes. I'm going to try really, again. It's, um, it's so yeah. good. It's I'll, so good. I'll put on my, in it's fact, so I had my armbands on earlier when I was just walking around the oh, house. That's so funny. So I'll, yeah. I'll have to put them back on. Oh, I hope you, yeah. We were on the lake last weekend and the next day I was just like, mm. I mean, all day. I didn't feel bad, but if I turned my head just the right way or oh. at times when I was sitting still I felt like I was going yeah like my vestibular yeah. system is a delicate flower it does not like <laughs> to be disturbed don't tilt it oh. yeah. well I okay. hope you can watch it because I really do okay I'm gonna that. give it yeah. a try probably not yeah. today until my no, ears no, 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 until no, my yeah and today's not yeah. the day for it yeah. yeah oh but okay so do you want to go next Missy or should I uh, go for it. You go. go for it. Okay. So I have been listening to um, We Can Do Hard Things. It's the podcast with Glennon Doyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, episode eight today was on self-care. And I really love this metaphor that she used about how self-care is typically thought of as like this superficial on the surface mm-hmm. thing, right. like going to get a manicure, yes. going to you know, get a massage or whatever. And that's self-care. And she used the metaphor of caring for your car is like if you only wash it and consider that you're that's caring for your car and never doing the you know the oil change or the engine tune-ups or the things that you really need to do under the hood you know you're just kind of making it look pretty on the outside and Mm -hmm. so i really i love that idea and they discussed how the biggest challenge of knowing or how to do self-care and how to care for yourself is even knowing how you want to be cared for and this idea, kind of like the idea we were talking about, things that bring you joy and make you happy. And, Knowing yourself. And being so distanced from your actual self that you don't even know right. what caring means to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it was just really interesting. And so she's saying, you know, all these people who don't know what care really means to them will go get this mani-pedi, which society has told them should be self-care, and then they don't feel better. And then oh. they feel like, well, I must be really messed up if, you know, self-care <laughs> didn't take care of me. Look how pretty my nails are. I'm still I a disaster. I should feel amazing. <laughs> anyway, mine right. never. Um, and they brought up the idea that we had talked about during the mom camp episode, too, about creating this life that you don't need an escape from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... and. Their definition of self-care came down to dealing with hard things instead of escaping them, like which is wow. the opposite of what we think of as self-care. Self-care in, I think, what society tends to think of is right. getting away from avoiding, like, and and that's kind of nice temporarily, but they're like, you know, but true the stuff's self-care still is knowing what's hurting you know if you're back to the car metaphor if your engine's clonking around you're not just going to go wash it like you need right. to you need to identify right. what that is and do the hard thing um to to help get through it so i really love that wow. and then for my learn i borrowed missy you did you had mentioned your learn was it last week was the do one Maybe. thing mm-hmm. and so kind of like i was talking about before thing. with the stand-up paddle board like doing that one thing, we've been trying to do that. There's like a lot of trails and stuff in Austin. I've lived here for 10 years. I had never been on the Shoal Creek Green Belt. And mm. when I was figuring out what was wrong, I was like, I thought I was going to do it wrong. How do you do a trail 
wrong. Like <laughs> I'd so get that. It is so, so bizarre. And same that. thing with like the stand-up paddleboard or exploring different areas mm -hmm. or doing this thing. Like I was worried about doing it wrong. Wrong. And mm -hmm. so my one small thing was just like I said, no. just driving there. And I'm like, okay, well now I'm in the parking lot. I did that part right. So yeah. now, okay, what if I got out of the car and just kind of looked around? Like, I don't think I could do that wrong. I don't know. So <laughs> it's just such a, and it's funny because my mom was talking about the same thing where she has some friends now that she moved to Austin last year um, that are going to be visiting her and she doesn't know quite where to take them or whatever. And, you know, you're not going to do the 10 mile loop of Ladybird Lake, but I said, there's now that we've walked around, I've identified some really pretty places where there's parking spots. And she's like, Oh, yeah. but the parking and the whatever. And I, I was like, I know I get it. I get it. But I, I got the parking spot. Like here, I will I tell you that. like where to park. I'll yeah. tell you where to walk, but it's that same yeah. kind of thing. And I yeah. think that I probably, based on seeing her reaction to it, I think genetically, I probably got it from her. I'm just like, the, yeah, I'm going to do it wrong. I'm going to show up at the park wrong. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's such a great metaphor for, well, life, but I mean, I'm married to that person. And I have that tendency as well. Of, if we don't know where to park and if we don't know what it's going to be like inside or whatever mm -hmm. it is, mm -hmm. we just won't do it. And then you're so unhappy that you didn't do it. Yes. It's better to do. And we keep, I have to keep reminding myself and I remind Mark all the time. It's actually okay to mess it up. Yes. Yeah. Like, I think if instead we of saying mess do up one this thing, thing do one thing wrong. I think we should change it. Yeah. Do one thing wrong. That's going to be our new. Very rarely is our mistake going to result in something catastrophic. Yes. Yeah. Like our mistake is going to result in maybe we don't get to do the thing or maybe it takes us 30 extra minutes or whatever, you know, like it's yes. not. It's and no one's paying the world. attention. No one was in the parking lot being like, you parked. That wasn't the right yeah. thing to park. She's definitely a first timer. That's <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Saying it out loud is really dumb. But I'm, but I'm saying it out it. loud. So the rest of you know, if you're feeling this too, you're not alone. Yeah, go make a mistake and go, see that you'll yeah, survive. Go, go park wrong and explore a new trail this week. Yeah, it's very... Yeah. Okay, Missy, what are you look, look, learn, and listening? Look, learn. Oh, <laughs> I don't even yeah, know how to I, say look, listen, learn right anymore. I'm lulling, just <laughs> Um, I listened to, well, I've already talked about this recently, that I've been listening to more books because I can't keep my eyes open at night to read them. But I listened to Barking at the Choir by Father Gregory Boyle, and it was recommended oh. by a mutual friend of mine and Suzanne's. And um, he is the founder of Homeboy Industries. And Homeboy Industries is a, an organization, I'm just going to read what they do so that I don't butcher it, but they provide hope, training, and support to formerly gang-involved and previously incarcerated people. They do all kinds, I mean, they do like tattoo removal and job skills training and um, substance abuse help, and they have therapists on site. Um, and he, Father Greg's thing is that he works with a population that nobody else wants to work with, and they stand with them. But his stories, I would recommend listening to it. And our friend who recommended it to me recommended listening as well, because his voice is great. And the way he tells his stories is great. And you just hear his heart mm -hmm. instead of just reading it. It was, I was so moved reading it both from a place of an advocate who needs encouragement to kind of get in there at times, but also I've made no secret that my faith has been a huge place of struggle for years and really in recent years, it has been hard for a number of reasons. And um, 
it was nice to read about or hear from somebody with these stories of what it really means to have faith and what it really means to be in it with people mm-hmm. and not just being a hypocritical ugh, Christian. So, um, I loved it. I highly recommend it. And I love, I just loved his stories. Um, some of them are so funny and some of them just make you cry. Like I was floating in the pool listening and crying. <laughs> like, oh my I should goodness. be like having this like joyful experience of being in a pool, <laughs> but listening and just weeping because it's beautiful. I've uh, done that also funny. I've done, yes. that. I've done that in the most embarrassing places, like either right. laughed out loud or cried. Yeah. 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 On the airplane, like, I've like done like, oh, <laughs> there's that crazy lady just walking and oh, laughing. Walking, oh. crying. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I yep. love yep. that we're getting to the oh, age where so they're good. just like, oh, it's okay. It's just, <laughs> it's just her stage of life. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're not even like, what's wrong with her? They're just like, mm, menopausal. Yeah. Lunatic. That sounds really good. So my learn for this week, I can't really, it's hard to, I can't really share it because I don't know enough about it, but I learned that soil is actually interesting. I mentioned that at the top of the show. <laughs> I thought even just reading my homework that week, I thought, oh, soil, I'm not really just like getting into it. And it's, it was a lesson in what a great teacher can do. We had a mm-hmm. professor from Texas A&M teach our class and he is passionate about soil which sounds bananas, but, um, he, I, he taught me so much. I know so much more about what might be going on below in my yard. Mm-hmm. I know how to get it tested and learn more. I know how to interpret all of that and then plant better. And there's so much I still need to learn, but it was exciting to be in an environment where I was learning and really exciting to, to learn something and feel enthusiastic about it when I thought I was not going to feel enthusiastic mm-hmm. about it. So that was my learn that That's there's good. just so much you out there. never would have known if you hadn't tried it out. Right. And I think that is like a classic example of why you just need to do things rather than think about it and plan things. Right. Yes. Because you won't know what it's like. No. Um, and that is a wonderful example of that. Because, you know, and who knew there was such a thing as studies of soil <laughs> and it's very involved and it's yeah, so and the, the history of it's really interesting out of it yeah. yeah so that somebody could make a career out of it and you would never have known that there's so many different wonderful things like little tiny like pockets of the world that we don't know about and we will mm-hmm. never discover unless we kind of you know give it a try and see yeah. where our joys and our interests take us and yes. um and so I love like, that, you know, Suzanne, you're like going out there and just checking out the drive, <laughs> checking out the parking lot. That is also like, those are little baby steps, like little tiny, tiny steps that get you to something really, yeah. really great. So yeah. you two are examples of that. And I love it. And I Thank love you. talking to both of you. And I could probably do this for an hour more, but I'm, I'm sure yeah. you have <laughs> well, a, we have, yeah, we may you. have to do another, we say this all the time, but we'll have to do another episode. I would, like, I can think of I would so many questions. That. Yeah, yes. I would love that. And, um, and, and thank you both for, for giving me this opportunity to, to speak to your audience. And they're so lucky to have you. And I've become a listener. I, I've been really enjoying your podcast. So oh, thank, thank you oh. so much for putting this out in the world. And I'm going to tell people about it too, because it's so much fun. You guys are so, so funny. Glad. Oh, well, thank you so, so <laughs> much. We've learned so We've much. And like I said, I've been really fortunate to have incredible guests. So I am oh, yes. thankful that you're listening and learning from oh, them. Because I'm it's, learning. Yeah. I mean, we're blown away wonderful. on the regular. 
Oh, yeah. I re-listened to our own episodes. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, I, I started taking uh, notes. It was just I wonderful. Know. It's like, yeah, it's really, really wonderful. So oh. thank you. Well, both. thank you for being part thank of it. Much. We sure appreciate it and have learned so much again. Yes. And yes, I want to plug one more time. Your newsletter again. What's the yes. URL for your newsletter? It's lifejunctions.com. Um, and is it backslash or forward I mean, slash? Whatever the slash. Whatever it's the slash. slash and newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and if you sign up there, I'll make sure that everyone gets all the information about upcoming events. And if you, I think there's this, a, a co- like a line where you, if you put in that you fa- found out about me through mom and I will send you a little something special. Oh, <gasps> awesome. Yeah. All right. And um, thank you again for having me on the show. Oh, thank thank you. you for being here. A pleasure. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A and D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.